Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. As we walked through this sermon series of Serve throughout the whole month, Pastor Andrew kept bringing up guilt. (laughs) Serving out of guilt. Every single time that he said that, my heart got pricked. Speaking about it now, it, it's overwhelming to me. And I said, why, why is, God, why am I feeling uh, overwhelmed by when he says that guilt should not drive your serving? And the truth is, it was because guilt was driving my serving. And I'm not speaking to you guys from a place of arrival. Because <laughs> this is something that I'm currently processing right now. But I do know that I found the answer this week, and God has given me the strength to walk through that. So my guilt was driving me to say yes to everything. I just couldn't say no. I literally could not say no to a single person's need and expectation. And I was tired And I know that there's a lot of people in here that are tired. And I just want to kind of unveil our eyes to something that God unveiled my eyes to. Because I allowed others' expectations of me to become my master. And that is not why Jesus died. Jesus died to set me free. Right? He died to set you free. But I'm a Christian, right? And it's my job to lay down my life. So am I ever actually allowed to say no? Have you guys ever experienced this? I know you have. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you, God, for using a wretch like me, Lord, for saving me, God. Lord, nobody would believe that this is where I would be 10 years ago. But because of your grace, God, you choose to use me as a vessel for your good news, God. You choose me to, to use me as a vessel, Lord God, to bring hope, Father. So I ask in Jesus' name that you would have your way, that you would anoint my words, that you would pierce the hearts of those who are struggling with the same thing, Lord God. That you would change our hearts, God, to align with yours, that we would be clear on what you are speaking to us, how you desire us to serve. We thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so please turn in your Bible with me to Mark 1, 21 through 34. And yes, I will cry through this whole thing. You guys will be okay. <laughs> okay, so Mark 1, 21 through 34. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as a teacher of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet said Jesus sternly, and come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed, they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? 
and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly all over the region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John and the son of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever had left her, and she began to wait on him. That evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus uh, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out demons. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, none of you guys have had a day like this. I know that, but that is okay. <laughs> Can you imagine this scene in this town of Capernaum? As Jesus begins his ministry, I mean, he walks into the synagogue and he's teaching with authority. These people have never seen anything like this before. Suddenly, the demon-possessed are set free. I mean, these people know who these men and women are who are demon-possessed. They're set free. Suddenly, people who have been sick are being touched and being healed, right? Come on, he leaves the synagogue, goes to one of the disciples' houses. The mother-in-law is sick. He touches her, and she gets up and starts serving him. Then everybody in the town shows up, all of the demon-possessed, all of the people who are sick, and he just keeps going. He keeps going. Can you imagine what it would feel like to be a part of that? Can you imagine the buzz that is going around, the expectation and the hope that is going on in that town right now. And as night falls, I just pictured all of these people who were sick walking back to their homes. And I don't think that they slept. I don't. I think all they did was walk around telling people, I'm healed. Jesus touched me. I'm healed. Jesus touched me. And I believe that the demon possessed, they went back to where they were dwelling, and people were like, what? What happened to you? And they said, Jesus, Jesus touched me. He healed me. He, he, he brought the demons away. And there's just this buzz and this expectation through the night, right? Come on, can you picture what is going on in this small little town? Hope is rising. Expectation is rising. The people that thought they would never get out of, of the place that they're in, they're saying, man, maybe I could get a touch from Jesus. So then we go to Mark 1, 35. And it says, very early in the morning, still, it was dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And as Jesus went off to be with the Father, I picture again <laughs> all of the people with those high expectations and that hope are gathering in the town, right? The sun is rising, and they're all coming to the same place that Jesus did the miracles last, last night, right? They want, they want a touch from God. Everyone is gathering People from far off are gathering. Anyone that has heard of this testimony, people that are sick, people that are demon-possessed, they're coming, and they are in anticipation that they would get a touch from this Jesus that they've heard about throughout the night. 
And I picture the disciples right around with them saying, wow, I can't wait till Jesus gets here. He's going to touch these people. These people need him. Man, this is going to be great. Jesus is going to have all these followers, right? This is our teacher. This is just wonderful. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And I just imagine that there would be, I mean, have you ever waited? Like at a wedding even or something? You get impatient, right? And I picture them kind of getting impatient and and the disciples like, oh gosh, where's Jesus? What's going on? Uh, Don't worry, he's going to be here. And then it gets to the point where they say, okay, we're going to go look for him. Wait here. Wait here. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. You're going to get healed. You're going to get touched. You're going to get set free. You're going to get delivered. Wait, wait here. We're going to look for him. And I just picture them in a panic. (laughs) Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where is he? There's all these people that need him. And I could even imagine an anger welling up, right? And as they search, there's Jesus in the sweetest moment in the early morning with his heavenly father speaking only God knows what to him. I wish I knew, but I know it was glorious. (laughs) And Simon runs over and do you know what he says? Let's go to the next verse here. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Do you know that the word exclaim actually has connotations of a rebuke and anger? So it's as if Simon is saying, no, I'm going to correct you, Jesus. This is not right. There's people that are looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? You ever been in that position? I know I have. What do you do in that position? Can you imagine being in Jesus' shoes right now? The things that he must be thinking, because let's be real, it feels good to be needed, right? It feels good to be needed. Have you ever been under the expectations of others? You have. I know you have. With all the need in the world, with all the need in your family, with all the need at your job, what is your answer? Why in this position would it be so hard for us to say no? Why would it be so hard for us to say no? You see, we live in a culture that describes success as being able to accomplish a lot of things, right? It's rapid, fast paced, there's instant gratification, there's quick fixes for everything, and there's an answer at the click of a button. And in our culture, people desire us to move at the same pace as everything else. The problem is, if we define our Christianity as the things that we're accomplishing, There's only so many hours in a day, right? So our growth 
only has so much potential, right? Because there's only a few hours in the day. So if all we do is think that the more that we're accomplishing, the more we're growing in the Lord, there's going to be this, this halt that happens when I can't do any more, right? And you guys are going to get exhausted. I know because I've been exhausted, if we believe that the more we do, the more secure we are in our relationship with the Lord, the same exact thing happens. There's only so much security I can feel from the Lord, right? Because there's only so many things I can do for the Lord. And if we think that we need to prove to others that we love Jesus, you're going to be running around like a chicken without a head. <laughs> Especially if you really love him, because then you want to show everybody how much you love him, right? And this is what happens, is we end up serving others' expectations instead of what God has for us and where God desires us to be. This is called people-pleasing, okay? If you live by people's approval, you're going to die by their rejection, People-pleasing can destroy the mission that God has for you. People-pleasing is this. It's doing whatever it takes, no matter what the cost, to make sure somebody likes me and accepts me. And the reality is that we have a deep need to be accepted. It's so deep. It's a huge God-sized hole. But it's there for a purpose. It's there so that we seek out true acceptance. And true acceptance is through the blood of Jesus. We are accepted by the Father in the acceptance of the blood of Jesus. And once you've experienced that acceptance, you need no other acceptance. That's the truth. Come on, you can clap for that. <laughs> Another reason why we would have a hard time saying no, and this is something that I really wrestle with, and I know a lot of people in this room wrestle with it because I've spoken to them, is that when we do accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, right? The Holy Spirit is filled with love for every person. So we are now filled with love for every person. And the conflict comes in the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world with a lot of pain a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of sickness. So what do we do with this love and pain? How could we possibly say no? We don't want to see people struggling, so instead of asking God, what are you doing, we step in automatically. It's called an assumptive yes. We assume that that is what God would want us to do. I don't know about you, but I'm not the Lord and Savior. <laughs> Actually, I do know about you. You are not the Lord and Savior. I just want to read this quote from Oswald Chambers. One of the hardest lessons to learn comes from our stubborn refusal to refrain from interfering in other people's lives. It takes a long time to realize the danger of being an amateur providence. That is, interfering with God's plans for others. You see someone suffering and say, he will not suffer, and I will make sure that he doesn't. 
you put your hand right in front of God's permissive will to stop it. Listen, I'm not saying don't ever help anybody. Don't even go there. But I am saying open your ears. When I worked at Teen Challenge, there was a lot of pressure from the girls in the home and from the other staff members to always step in when somebody was hurting. And I'll never forget, there was a woman at chapel wailing, crying, broken. And as I sat behind her, and all the students sat behind her, and all the staff sat behind her, everyone kind of looked at me like, are you going to get up? Are you going to do something? Like, uh, she needs help. Obviously, she needs help. Like, she's weeping, crying. She's falling apart. And then this other lady went to go get up, and I said, sit down. And I remembered the voice of Don Wilkerson telling me, do not get in the way of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is working. Because for sure, if I would have put my arm around her, hugged her and said, everything's going to be okay, you better believe she would have felt some sort of comfort. But it would have been so counterfeit to what the Holy Spirit brought to her that day. She got up from that place, and I'm going to tell you something. She learned that the Holy Spirit was her comforter. When you say no, because God is telling you to say no, God can move. We do not know better than him. We can rob someone of experiencing the provision of God. We can also rob someone of this, of their pruning. You see, God uses the enemy like a dog on a leash. He works all things out for the good of those who love him. So if God is allowing something in somebody's life, again, I'm not saying don't step in. You have to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. But if you're just stepping in without asking, you could be getting in the way of their pruning and their character development. You could be getting in the way of them developing true hope in Christ. And that is why it's our job to be so sensitive to when to say yes and when to say no. And look, we see over and over again in the Bible these, these incredible stories about crucifying yourself, laying down your life for others. And I'm not talking about not doing that. Actually, I am talking about doing that. I'm talking about crucifying your own ways for the ways of the Lord so that that person will have the best provision. But how do I tell God... Are you sure? Like, if I see a hurting person, is it ever okay for me to say no? Am I ever allowed to say no? Let's go to Mark 137 through 38. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus said no. Everyone's looking for you. Let us go somewhere else. Whoa. 
Let that sink in. Can you imagine what the disciples would have been thinking in that moment? Like, what's going on? Now, can you imagine being a person in the town that has gathered? As the news got back to them that Jesus isn't coming. Whoa. What are some of the things that might be going through their mind? I knew it. I was never going to get help. I knew he wasn't a prophet. Those stories weren't true. I guess he doesn't care about the sick and hungry, right? The hurting people. Come on, we have all been there. I've been on both sides. I've been on the side where I've said that about people. And I've been on the side where people have said that about me. But could you imagine if Jesus allowed the thoughts of others and the expectations of others to dominate his actions? Thank God that he didn't. He was so focused on what God had asked of him, he didn't let anything take away his attention from the mission that was given. He was concentrated on obedience to the Father's voice and not the expectations of others. And listen, Jesus was always up against others' expectations because the Jews, the very people that he came to save, believed that he was the Messiah and he was coming back as a conquering king. And instead, Jesus was sent as the suffering servant. He was obedient to the mission that the Father had sent him on to the point of death. Even on the cross, they mocked him. They said, you can save all these other people. Why don't you save yourself? Come down from that cross. And with all the expectation, Jesus remained obedient to the voice voice of the Father. He stayed on that cross to make a way even for those who had expected him to do it another way. Thank God Jesus didn't bow down to the expectations of others. Have you ever felt the warmth outside in the sunlight? Do you know that if you take that same light and look through a magnifying glass, and you put it through a magnifying glass, and there's a leaf there, it can burn a hole through it. Do you know if you take that very same light and you focus it and concentrate it even more, that it can literally cut through metal? It's called the principle of concentration. We are each uniquely designed for a specific mission within the body, and to be able to accomplish it, you need to be concentrated and in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because the enemy desires to distract you from your purpose. He desires to scatter your focus so that you can become ineffective. He desires to confuse you. But why could Jesus say no? The answer is simple. It's intimacy. Jesus was intimate with the Father. It says that early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. And we see this over and over as the demand from others got greater that he would sneak away and get alone with the Father. To be able to serve the way that God desires us to serve, we must not just say yes to every good thing around us. Because not every good thing is a God thing. And the enemy can distract you 
from your God things with good things. Listen, if you're exhausted, it is possible that you have moved from the place where God is giving you the grace to do what he's called you to do. That grace is the empowerment to be able to do his work. So I would say if you're absolutely exhausted and tired, you need to check if this is what God desires you to do or if you're flowing in something or saying yes to something that God doesn't want you to do. And be careful because if you're saying yes to everything, you could end up saying no to the one thing that he actually does want you to do. These are the two reasons that I, I, I believe that we need to get along with the Father. One is we need to be continually reminded of our position. Because we do have that God-sized hole, right, to be accepted, we need to continually get in his presence, know and understand that we are accepted. Allow him to speak that over us in our private time with him. And he surely will. And listen, when you've experienced that acceptance, it is enough. And if you've never experienced that acceptance, I pray that today that God would somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, impart that to you. Because it's the sweetest thing ever. The Word of God says that we should not be yoked again to slavery. And when we are yoked to the acceptance of others, we're yoked to slavery again. We're a slave to them. Jesus died so we would be set free, so that we could serve from a place of acceptance. So that even when we are rejected in our service, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be crushed by it. And number two is that so we can be clear on what it is that he's saying to us. Because if we don't get alone with God and allow him to speak to us personally, we can reduce the way that he works down to patterns. And we can reason against why he would say something. And we can just say, that's, you know, no, that's not how it goes. If we're not intimate with him, we will never know what he's saying. So we need to get alone to get clarity on the things that he's calling us to. So he can remind us of our personal purpose. So the answer to the question, can we ever say no, is yes. Jesus is our example in this. When the world is pulling on us, he doesn't only give us the direction, he gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to be able to say no. There's this quote that I read, and it says, the mark of a mature Christian is the ability to say no. This is a humble admission to our limitedness. We are not the Savior of the world. We were saved by the Savior of the world. We are limited. That is why we are a body. That is why we need one another. That is why we need to be sensitive to hearing. So we aren't amateur provision. If I go ahead and do something that Pastor Andrew was supposed to do for somebody else, it's not going to be as good as the way that God desired it to be. Do you understand what I'm getting at? If the worship team could come up. There's, there's 
I, I want to I give an altar call for you to be able to repent of this people-pleasing and to ask God to fill your God-sized hole for acceptance, to be able to be empowered to say no, to be able to stop assuming that it's always a yes. But before I do that, I also had last night um, while I was alone with the Lord, he reminded me, I was at a birthday party yesterday, and as I was walking out, I want everybody to pay attention to this. As I was walking out, I said, Caden, who is my six-year-old, I said, Caden, can you hold my hand? I really want to hold your hand. And he went, no. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, man, oh, that, that really hurts. Like, I really want him to hold my hand. <laughs> There's only so many years that he's going to, you know, like hold my hand. And um, so I said, Caden, are you sure? Because uh, what happens like in a few years when you think back to this moment? And he's like, okay. <laughs> so I grabbed his hand. I'm feeling really good. And then God's like, no. Why are you manipulating him to say yes when he said no? That is not the way that I work. And God said, warn your people. Warn your people that when somebody says no, that you are not manipulating them with your agenda. Do not try to make somebody say yes when they've said no. Now, I'm not talking about when somebody needs a push. That's different. I'm talking about before you open your mouth, check your heart. Am I trying to make this person be my amateur provision? Am I trying to control and manipulate this person so I can get what I want? And man, this can be disguised by things of the Lord too. I've seen it. I've done it. I know it. Be sensitive. Check yourself. Don't manipulate. Don't make somebody say yes, especially because we're trying to empower each other to flow in, in our giftings, right? So when someone says no, let's just take it as no and say, Lord, all right, where do you want me to say no? Where do you want me to say yes? Where am I going wrong if I'm trying to manipulate, <laughs> manipulate this? Are you calling me to do this? Am I trying to avoid doing something that you're calling me to? So as we just play the song, if you want prayer, if um, the prayer team could come up, if you could come up and pray. I really want people to experience freedom today, to be able to say no. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176. Or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.